place it comfortably. So good evening everyone on Zoom and everyone in the room. Um, a few people have asked me to um, say a few words about um, kind of state of the world we live in at the moment and how we bring practice to that. And I suppose one of the most obvious things um, that's in the news and concerns us um, and disturbs us is the, the war in the Ukraine. Um, but as someone, as someone reminded me recently, um, that sort of takes up a lot of our attention. It certainly is a very disturbing um, thing that's occurring. Um, but at the same time, we should not be um, uh, ignorant of the rest of suffering that happens in the world, you know, in countries where people um, don't have enough food to eat, you know, and whether other war zones go on or they're oppressed by other people. But certainly the, the war in Ukraine is, um, does grab our attention. And I was reflecting on what to say about this, and um, I, I really don't want to go down the path of just stating um, Buddhist platitudes about it. Um, and I want to tap into what what is really happening within me as a human being as a, and as a person, as someone who's committed to practising the Dharma, but, but like what actually is happening at a feeling level. And um, first thing that I can say about it, which may be your experience as well, I, I feel quite deeply disturbed by it. Um, and uh, I feel angry that, um, you know, a, a sort of egomaniac, you know, military power can simply, um, without any justification, invade another country um, and the babies are killed, mothers killed, innocent people killed, their homes destroyed, their neighbourhoods destroyed. For what purpose? You know, to inflate someone's egocentric, grandiose view of who they are or their history. Um, it's beyond belief, in a sense. And, and I think it's that kind of disbelief of thinking someone could do this is what brings a different dimension to it. And I think there's something particularly disturbing about um, human initiated suffering like that on a large scale. If you take, for example, the floods that have happened in Australia and northern New South Wales, yes, we can feel for the suffering that people are going through with losing their homes and maybe some people lost their lives, or an earthquake, you know, destroying and killing people. It's very different to what we experience when it comes from the decisions of human beings to wipe out populations other human beings or animals. Um, before I gave this talk, I just tuned in and Googled what other Buddhist teachers were saying about it. Um, and the Dalai Lama said something along the lines, well, you know, we need dialogue, you know, rather than war. Um, uh, a, a, a Soto Zen headquarters in Japan 
said, you know, Buddhists are against violence and uh, we need to bear witness to it. Um, Joan Halliburton, a well-known Zen teacher in the US, said that, you know, the, the fundamental point of Buddhism is to recognise that there's no other. You know, that we're not separate from life, there is no other. Now, I, I agree with all of those things, um, but somehow I find them dissatisfying. I mean, I totally agree with it. Um, and funny enough, um, I, I, maybe this is not all the Pope said about it, but the Pope came out and condemned Russia for the invasion and somehow I went, good on you. you know, you're taking a moral stand here rather than this kind of neutral standard, we should have dialogue and we should witness suffering, da 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 da. There's something robust about that that statement. Um, so I'm not a Catholic, but um, my my spirit was with the Pope on that. Um, this comes to the issue of compassion and equanimity in particular in Dharma practice, the, the, the meaning of the, the Latin root of the words compassion means to suffer with, right? So you just to practice compassion and to cultivate compassion is to suffer with. And if you first read about Buddhism that it was the end of suffering, well, it was a bit misleading um, because you're going to suffer with other beings who are going through the threat of violence or starvation or whatever it might be. Um, but it's suffering, but it's not suffering. And if I, if I reflect not on just what I think I should say as a Buddhist teacher, but what I experience, I know that I'm, I'm disturbed by it, not just that war in particular, but I'm disturbed by violence in the world but I don't think I'm suffering in the sense that any personal suffering because I'm not, I'm not resisting the fact that it's happening. I'm not, I'm not trying to push it away. If I was trying to push it away or if I was getting outraged by it or whatever, then I think I'm suffering. But the fact that I can bear witness to it and acknowledge it somehow is not a form of suffering. There's a sense of this is the way things are and it's terrible, but this is the way things are. Uh -huh. And um, someone else who, um, in our Sangha, who emailed me too, um, said to me that at first they were, they were distressed and they were kind of anxious about the war when it first came. And then, and then they realised that there was a lot of me in all of that thinking. What can I do about it? What should be done? Da, da, da. And when the eye part of it dropped out. It's like, yes, the compassion's there, but somehow the, the personal suffering dropped away. It, it's probably a clearer statement of Buddhist practice, not to say that there's, there's suffering and an end to suffering, but it's a clearer statement, even though it's paradoxical, is to say there is suffering, but no one who suffers. Mm -hmm. And if you think of it like if you were a um, you had a, you were a mother and you had a sick child or a child who was dying, then you would you would be totally open to caring for that child, trying to do the best for that child, being compassionate as you can. 
but you're so absorbed in it that there's no there's nothing left over for you to be suffering. Uh, it's about it's about the child dying. I was searching my mind as to whether there's a Zen koan or a Zen story that resonates with what's happening in the world, and I maybe there is, but I couldn't come up with one. But the thing that popped up in my mind was the story, the old Buddhist story about um, the mustard seed and the, the, the mother who had lost a child who had died and came to the Buddha about it, like, how can I deal with this? And he said, well, go around to every family and try and get a mustard seed from every family that hasn't experienced the grief of loss in their life and bring them to me. Of course, she goes around and she can't get any mustard seeds because everyone has experienced death. And then when she comes back to the Buddha and says, you know, I haven't got any mustard seeds, um, he kind of points out to her the impermanence of everything. Now, sometimes I've read an interpretation of that that sounds very cold um, along the lines of, well, get over it, Mother, because, you know, impermanence as a fact of life and just get used to it kind of thing. I'm sure that's not what the Buddha intended as a teaching, uh, something as cruel as that. I think the teaching is if you're a mother and your child has died, you're going to grieve 100% for it. Um, but, there's, but in a sense, when you're, when you're fully giving yourself over to that grieving, in a sense, there's no one grieving. And you do join in the grieving of the whole world. You, know, you, you allow the suffering of the whole world to be there rather than ignoring it. But there's something that's not particularly personal about it. Uh -huh. And that's, that's what makes the difference. In the Buddhist Peace Fellowship, the Zen Peace Fellowship, um, I've mentioned these three principles before. Um, that guide our actions, not knowing, bearing witness, and compassionate action. We go to the first one, not knowing. Well, quite frankly, I, I don't feel I'm in a position to judge whether the um, Ukrainian people fighting back and using violence against violence is right or wrong, or whether it would have been better just to let them come in and, in a sense, better be red than dead, right? Um, the other way around. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I don't feel I'm in a position to, to have a view on what they should have done or not done. Probably if I was one of them, because I'm a fighter, I'd probably be taking out arms myself. But the wiser part of me thinks maybe the more sensible thing might have been let them come in. Better, be, better to be alive and your children not killed than give up a bit of your freedom. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't want to judge, first of all, the actions of people who are under so much threat. Um, yes, I can bear witness, and that's something I can do. And in terms of compassionate action, well, as a group, we donated money to UNICEF for it to go there. We may donate more. It's something you can actually do. But I think it's important in the processing of all this to think, what is it I can do and what is it that I can't do? Because if you keep pushing against what you can't do, like you can't stop the war, um, you can't have a dialogue, a meaningful dialogue with a man or a government 
that's hell-bent on war and violence as a way of resolving things. You can't have a Buddhist discussion with a violent dictator about how we're all one. Like, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, But you can bear witness and you cannot judge and you can (coughs) do things perhaps in a small way that do show compassionate action. And the other thing that you can learn about this is that, um, you know, we can all demonise Putin or Hitler or Saddam Hussein or whatever, um, but if we're truly practising getting out of the, the delusion of otherness, they, they, they're also part of everything. Mm-hmm. They're part of us. They may be a deluded part of us, but they're part of us. And it's worthwhile reflecting as we do in the first sutra that we we recite in our sutra service, the purification, it's the first one for a reason. You know, all the harm and suffering ever created by me since of old, I now acknowledge openly and fully. It's it's worthwhile reflecting when we see tyrannical violence writ so large. Well, what, what do I do that creates violence in the world? What do I do that creates otherness in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, are the ways in which I enable others to be able to do that? There's searching questions that come back to ourselves as well. The, the other thing I just want to say in, in ending too, if I'm if I tap into what I'm truly experiencing rather than what I ought to experience as a Buddhist ideal is that I've noticed in myself that I'm more disturbed about the war in the Ukraine than what I was about the war in Syria or the war in Iraq. And it's not as though I didn't have any feeling at all for what was going on there, but it it was a little bit more distant um, from what happens with the Ukraine, and I think it's because they seem so much more like me. You know, the Europeans, they they believe in democracy, you know, they want independence and so on. And so, you know, if we were truly fully enlightened, we would treat every being in the world in the same way that we would treat our own child. But it's kind of like an ideal. Mm-hmm. And I think the truth is closer as human beings that we, it's not as though we're necessarily racist or anything, but we empathise with people who seem like us. Mm -hmm. And it's just to be human, I think. It's not something to punish yourself over. We've lost connection here. Anyway, I'll keep on talking. Um, It's not as though we're racist, but we do we we identify with things. Uh, we we empathise with people who are in our tribe or who are similar to us in some way. And what I'm saying here is that is that this can be a practice in noticing where the limits of your compassion actually lie. When you realise if that's if something like that's occurring for you, or or to put it this way, you know when the bushfires happened. Um, I was really concerned about the koalas dying. Did I think of the rats? 
Well, not really. Uh-huh. But rats are being. Rats have, you know, an, an existence which is equal to koalas. Uh-huh. But I didn't think of the rats so much. If I, if I think of them, I think, yes, well, yeah, now, now you think of it. Yeah, rats would suffer just as much. But koalas are nice, cute, you know, cuddly kind of things. Rats seem like predators that we're threatened by. Do you know? Well, what about the snakes as well? Did we think of them? You know, it's kind of... We, we need to see where we're human as well as what our aspiration is and not try and make out that we love all beings equally um, when we're not actually doing it. It's something that we aspire to. And it's a good aspiration. And some problem, sometimes some people might get to that level. I'm not one of them. Yeah. So our challenge is, is to not shut us, ourselves off from suffering, um, but to be able to find equanimity within that suffering. And if you don't, then you're not much good to doing something about that suffering. You're not much good to the child who's sick with COVID or whatever, right? You're like, you need to be the parent. And the same in world affairs. It's like there needs to be that equanimity um, to bring some sense of um, rationality and, and peace to the experience rather than inflaming it or ignoring it. <coughs> 